So we're going to hear that again a little bit later on. But that is actually the, the passage that we're looking at. It's from, that's from the message translation. It's a paraphrase. Um, so it's basically, it's the Bible written in everyday language. And this is what we're going to be looking at tonight. But one thing's in kind of looking through and kind of preparing for this message I came across was a TV commercial. Now, I don't believe this is ever shown here in the UK, so I might not have seen it, but the commercial was really a young man just basically struggling with whether to go for an arranged marriage. He's from a country where that was the culture, and it was something that happened. So he's now living in America, waiting for this to happen. And he's standing at an airport, waiting for this plane to come in with his bride-to-be. And he's hesitant on being there. He does, he's never met this girl before, doesn't know anything about her. And it's kind of like a bit hesitant. He's like, can I really marry somebody I have no clue about? You know, what, and it's going through, he's like, what, what if she's not good personality? What if I don't like the way she looks? Those kind of things going through his head. The plane, the plane eventually lands. She gets off the plane. He takes one look at her. And his whole attitude changes. He sees, sees her and he realizes this could work. So with that, the question is, what changed? Simply, he'd, he'd seen her. And he'd seen how, how beautiful she was, how she stood out. And he wanted to find out whether that would work. So the question is, have you ever been in a similar position to that? Have you ever been in a position where you've maybe not wanted to be somewhere, you've maybe been dragged along? Uh, for some of us who are a bit, bit young, younger, that may even be church, to be quite honest. Um, my younger brother was like that. He went to church because his mom took him. And come the age of 14, he was given the, ch- the option to either stay in church or to not come. He chose not to come. So you've, you've maybe been in that position. Maybe you've been asked to do something that you don't want to do or you don't like to do. And it's kind of like, yeah, well, that's not really my cup of tea. That's not really my bag. Maybe you're asked to do, do an event, go to an event you didn't like the sound of. So maybe your, your friends have kind of said, oh, come along to this. You know, for example, I'm not really massive into discos. I absolutely hate discos. I kind of dance to save my life. So I'm usually the guy standing at the bar just kind of like, just chin-wagging with people or finding a, a, a seat nearby, just sitting down, and Hannah's in the back doing dance moves, which, do you explain that? <laughs> at a youth camp called Whitoff, I did a comedy skit, which was five bad dance moves you should never do in public. The next night at the disco, everybody was doing all those dance moves. <laughs> so it happens, so it happens. So. If you're here and you come to church on a, on a regular basis, you're, again, you, maybe you know this feeling. Maybe you understand what's going on. Maybe you can relate to that, that man waiting for his bride to be to come off the plane. So we're looking at a couple of verses in the book of Romans. And if you are, have a Bible, which you should do, under your seats... The reading is found on, in, on page 1139, as Romans chapter 12. So, in the, in the, so the Rome, book of Romans is in the New Testament. It follows after the book of Acts, which falls straight after the first four books. So you've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. And that's where we're at today. 
So let's have a quick look at these two verses and then let's explain what's going on in them. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So the book of Romans is written by a man named Paul. Some of us will, most of us in the room will actually will know of him, just looking around at who's here. Paul was a, essentially more or less kind of a terrorist in one sense. He was a, a leader in the Jewish, Jewish High Council, because he was a religious leader for the Jews, went round killing Christians, and met Jesus and was, had his life massively turned around. Becomes a Christian and then starts going and telling people about Jesus and how awesome God is. So Paul, who wrote this book, at this point, we're approximately in the year AD 57, so in the first century, and Paul's probably in a city called Corinth, which is in ancient Greece. And what, really what the whole book of Romans is, is Paul is so desperate just to actually visit this church. He's heard all of the amazing stories coming out of this church in Rome, and he really wants to go there. So he writes them this letter, which is now we know as the Book of Romans, where really it's basically it's a massive encouragement to this church, going, I know of the things you've done, and I really want to visit you. And he plans to do this. So that's where we find ourselves in this book. So, so I say, you know, you've probably heard this, that passage multiple times. I've probably heard this at least, hundreds, at least hundreds of times over the 29 years I've been going to church. But let's try and understand what's going on here because there's a few questions that come out from these two verses. So let's have a look at verse 1. Where it says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So, when we look at this, those questions that come out, some of them might be, well, what's he talking about? You know, it seems a bit funny language to us, probably in some ways. What is this mercy that he's speaking of? If you were just reading this and you hadn't, didn't have any context of what's going on before this, the first, one of the first questions you're going to ask, well, what's this mercy thing he's talking about here? What's going on? What does he mean by offering our bodies as a living sacrifice? And why is it pleasing to God? And why is it our true and proper worship? Well, first, I kind of take a little bit of a sidebar and explain what the word worship is very, very briefly. The word worship actually comes from the Anglo-Saxons, which, and the first time we actually see it in any pieces of writing is the 1300s. And what it simply means is to honor something or someone as being worthy. So if something is good and something is worth our time and we want to give ourselves to that, it is worthy of that. And that is what worship is. It's giving, essentially in terms of church, is giving God his worth. And we saw that in the video earlier on. So now that we've kind of heard that, let's look at verse 1 and kind of really dig into it quickly and see what we can think of. So Paul is saying that offering ourselves, we should be doing this as a living sacrifice. It's our true and proper worship. 
and as an act of service to God. Basically what he's saying is if you want to serve God properly, then we need to be a living sacrifice, which we need to kind of understand what that is. So again, we go to this whole question of living sacrifice. What is it? What does it mean? Well, in the times, time of Jesus, the Jews had to give various sacrifices to God. They had to, this was predominantly done through animal sacrifices. And basically, the principle was that without blood being shed, there could be no forgiveness for what we call sin, the wrong things that we do. It's this principle that Paul's talking about. This principle is saying, you know, something had, some life had to be given to this. But Paul goes a step further and he says it's to be a living sacrifice. You know, if you animal sacrifice, if you kill an animal, you shed its blood, that animal's no longer alive, it's dead. So what's the thing with, to be with living? Well, simply put, the sacrifice that gave his life at this point in time had already given his life, and that was through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to this earth, in human, he was God in human form, he died on the cross and was raised again three days later. And that is the sacrifice Paul saw about Jesus giving his life. The word living in the original language actually means to be among the living. So, it's, so Paul's not really saying anything about death or anything remotely familiar to that. But let's have a look at this. Again, this mercy, we've already explained there briefly that it was Jesus Christ who did, who is this mercy, who is the sacrifice. Hebrews 10, verse, verses 10 to 14, actually confirm this. And I'll be going in a little bit of different place in Scripture because this is kind of really backs up what Paul's saying. And this is what Hebrews 10, 10 to 14 says. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ, once and for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices. Talk about the sacrifice we were just referring to, which can never take away sins. But when this priest, referring to Jesus Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being holy. So this is what Paul's talking about in verse 1. Essentially, we could sum it like, like this, and this is a, my little ver variation of, of the verse, where it says, Brothers and sisters, knowing what God has done for you, given you this amazing gift of his death and resurrection, I urge you, I encourage you, to give your whole life to God. This is how you truly worship God, by giving him your role, by being all in for Jesus. That's really the crux of what Paul's saying. This whole thing about being among the living, it's about are we 100% committed to God? Are we fully in? Are we fully devoted to God and what he wants to do? That's our true and proper worship. What we've done tonight is all part of that. But our true worship is what do we do in our, in our waking and our sleeping? What do we do from when we get up to when we go to bed? Is that focused on God? Now what about verse 2? 
because that is also brings a quest as well. So let's look at verse, verse 2. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So once again, we get some questions coming up from this passage as well, such as what does it mean to conform to the pattern of this world? How can we renew our minds? And are we ready to approve what God's will is? Is that really kind of the context there? Isn't, it a bit, isn't that a bit of a strange statement to make, that we approve God's will? Okay, so let's look at this idea of conforming to the pattern of this world. This is a, this is a big thing, and this is something that really kind of Paul tries to hit home on in this. So two things to note on that. The word in its original context focuses on world in terms of time in terms of what is going on. So it's not saying do not, so it's not saying don't conform to the patterns of necessarily the earth as a whole. It's talking about the culture, the way things are today. And Paul's talking to the people in Rome at that time, but it also applies for us today. So when Paul says do not conform, he's saying don't fit in with the, with the culture. The message version says you don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit in without even knowing. That's a, an amazing challenge because sometimes when you look at the way a culture is, sometimes it will tell you you've got to think this. Where if we look at what the Bible says, quite often says something a little bit different. And that can be in itself a challenge. Conforming is all about fitting in. If you think of it in a sense of like, if you put water into a glass, the, gla- the water takes the shape of the glass. But if you pour the water out, it'll change the shape entirely. That's kind of what we're talking about, to conform, being like that water, being poured into the glass. We're called by God to stand out. We're called to be a little bit different. We're called to look like Jesus Christ. And if you look through the, the Gospels, and this is, a, this is a challenge, have a look and see what, what Jesus looks like in the Gospels you'll see that he is despised by the people who have authority. He is despised by the, these group of people called the Pharisees. He doesn't fit in with what they, they think. He doesn't fit in with what they want him to be. And eventually it puts him on the cross because he doesn't fit their mold. And the goal calls it to be different. So that's a challenge for each and every one of us. If we're truly going to live a godly life, we are, we're not going to fit in. If you look at some of the things that we're seeing now, we're quite often seeing that if people stand by God's word, they, things happen like they're getting kicked off university courses, they're getting kicked out of jobs, those kind of things. It's not, quite frankly, it's not going to be easy. For those of us who are truly believers in here, it's not going to be an easy time. But the reward is going to be so much better. Because God has said in his word that if you, for us who love him, we will face these troubles. We will face hard times. John 15, 19 kind of shows us this, where it says, If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
bit of a tough verse to, to read at, at times, bit of a bit of pill to swallow. But this is what God's word says, and it's important for us to know this. 2 Timothy 3, 12 to 13 also shows us this where it says this. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul is also who we talk about who wrote the book of Romans. He is also the man who wrote the book of 2 Timothy. So Paul knew this very well. He was persecuted, he was beaten up, he was thrown in jail, and eventually he was killed for his faith. All because of his service to God and refusing to fit in with the crowd. Now what about renewing our minds? You know, what's that all about? Now I've got what most people have, I've got a phone. Got a got a nice iPhone 7. Now if you think of renewing in terms of something like a phone contract. Your phone contract, when you buy your phone, will have a set time period on it. Generally, it's usually about 24 months, or about two years. Now, when it comes to the end of your contract, you will have you, you the phone company will get, generally will get in touch and go, do you want to renew your contract? Or some companies like, like 3 do assume that you're going to do it anyway. And then your contract would roll over, so the same cost same bandwidth that you're on so you see amount of text emails tweets whatever all of that copies over into your next contract unless you upgrade this is kind of what, what Paul's saying about to renew it so the contract there when you get it upgrade when you get take your two years and then you start off a new contract that contract becomes a new one so you don't have the same contract you had for the first two years. You have a new contract entirely. And this is kind of what Paul's referring to here, is to take something that's already there and to make it new again. Paul's saying that we need to take our, our minds, the way we think, the way we understand things, and refresh them. But this newness, this refreshed understanding of who Jesus is, it's got to be led by God and what he has done for us. And what about this last little bit of the verse, the bit where it says, you know, we would test and approve what God's will is. What does that mean to test and approve the will of God? Does it mean that we say, hey God, you know, that's okay with me? No. To be honest, no, it doesn't. If it did, it, we probably would be in a lot worse position in Christian life. What, what, it is, what we see, the reality is actually is that the will of God is not for us to decide. I don't get to turn around to God and go, God, you will do this for me. That's not really why he came in the slightest. In fact, the term, again going to what is it, the term in the original language that we translate to approve, is actually got nothing to do with our opinion. Simply, it's essentially fact-checking. So I don't know if you've ever heard of a fact checker. Um, quite a big thing in the States. But what a fact checker does is he, you say to some So for example, Lewis would come up to me and say, do you know what, Mark? You know, that, that building over there, that building has a white door frame. And for me, there's a fact checker. I'll go along, I'll go outside, I go, yes, I can see that's white. Yes, that's correct. That's what a fact checker is. And this is what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that for us to test and approve what God's will is, it's not for us to kind of go, yes, I, I, think, I think that's right, it's God. Actually, 
I can see from your, what you said in previous times in the Old Testament, I can see from what you're doing currently that actually that's correct. That fits in. As a sign on that, we actually see this work out in the book of Acts in chapter 17. And it's become one of my favorite stories. Paul is out preaching with a guy called Silas, goes to a place called Berea, preaches about Jesus, and the people there don't turn around and immediately become Christians. They say, you know Paul? This sounds good. I want to know if it's true. So they go away, and they find that it's true, and they become Christians. This is the principle that Paul's talking about. Uh, in this, story, this book, the letter of Romans, comes after that event in Acts 17. So Paul understands all of this stuff he's talking about. He's experienced this, he's lived this. And this is kind of what he's talking about in terms of our worship. Our worship is, some, is an act of service to God. In fact, that's what the word originally is. The word worship, we came in later, originally it's service. It's how we serve God. So Paul understands all the things he's talking about very well. He's experienced them, he's lived them. So let's kind of sum a verse two like this. Don't become like everybody else. Mindlessly fitting into what box you're told to fill. Instead, refresh your thinking. Make it new. By doing that, you will be able to figure out what God is telling you to do. Coming to know that through understanding what he says in the Bible. Now we've got another video where they're going to see how Paul actually goes a little bit further with what we've, we've been talking about tonight. And then we're going to have a bit where I actually want to spend a bit of time encouraging us to kind of put these things into practice. I don't know when, when you think when you kind of listen to that. All that video is, is just literally the full chapter of Romans 12 unpacked for us. And that's Paul talking about that. And it's a massively challenging statement just to have a listen to that. Now going back to the illustration that we talked about before, you notice that the, the guy who got off the plane, his perception changed as soon as he saw his bride to be. Often we, we come, if you've been involved in church and you've been maybe helped out in bits and pieces here, it's quite often we sometimes do this kind of because it's what we should do, out of what we call obligation. We drag ourselves to church, we force ourselves to do these different things, but quite often our hearts aren't in it. We are, we're like that guy at the airport, we're kind of grudgingly holding flowers for God. We're trying to live lives that look like a Christian because we think that's what we should be doing. But it's something that's a bit of a burden to us. It's not, there's no joy in that. What can we do to change this? The answer is simply seeing God. Seeing God for who he is and what he's done for us. When we get a vision of who God truly is, suddenly we're actually energized into his mission. Once we gaze upon who he is, his glory, his, how amazing he is, it's, you know, stuff like this ceases being a task, ceases being work. It becomes something that we love to do and something that we want to be at. Once you grasp his, his great love, it's, it's no longer something that we have to do. It's something that we want to do, something that we desire to do. Later in Romans, and this is kind of where we're going to land the plane a bit, in, ver in verse 11 in chapter 12, we see Paul say this, Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, 
when we say zeal here, we're talking about spirit, we're talking about passion. Essentially saying, don't be lacking spirit, but passionately serve God. We're meant to love doing this. We're meant to love being here. We're meant to love being in God's presence. So for those of us who are in the band here, right, serving God through music in the way that you have, do it because you love God. Give everything to that. Don't do it because you think, you know, well, I, you know, Hannah's asked me to do it, and this is a good opportunity, so I should do it. Do it because, you know, you want to be doing it, and you want God to, to do something in you through that. So as, as, as we close, let me encourage you, you know, again, no matter where you are with God right now, some of you may have a really good idea of who God is and may really know him. I've personally been a Christian for, I'm trying to do the math in my head now, it's been 16 years this year since I gave my life to, to Christ. And I can't think of anything better than to be walking with God. But sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's difficult. Sometimes the world sucks that passion dry. Sometimes you're just, life has a tendency just to draw that energy out and to leave you kind of going, do I really have to be here? Sometimes Sunday mornings can roll around and you go, it's nine o'clock, do I have to be getting on the bus in 10 minutes to get to church? Well, that, that, was, that was sometimes me anyway. Many times I've, said, I've seen people kind of say, Yo, I want God to show me who he is, show me he's real right now. I want him to appear in my living room and say hi. That's in this sense of kind of people wanting to see God and actually see that he's true, that he's real. The reality is God doesn't work like that. God doesn't kind of bow to our demands. But he wants us to have a relation with us. And God wants an honest, open request. He doesn't want us to kind of give God the terms. He wants an open invitation to come. And this really is what worship is all about. It's about having that open invitation for God to come and to speak. So the encouragement that Paul is leaving to this church in Rome is the same one I want to give to you. Give God everything. Be all in for him. Go all out. Because it's the best decision that you can ever make. This is the bit that I always tend to try to come into. Because here's the thing, I'm, I'm so passionate about seeing people come to know Jesus. I'm so passionate about seeing young people know and understand who he is. I mentioned earlier about my brother, who no longer goes to church. When I was chatting with with Mike and June about kind of the idea for the youth ministry, that kind of came out. It was like, this is one of the big reasons I want to, want to do this. I don't want to see people who, see young people who come to any church that I'm at to be coming to my brother's age or older, like university age, and then drop off. Because the, usually what you see when that happens is there isn't that connection to God. It's they come along to church on Sunday because their parents have brought them, or they come because that's what, that's what they do. And they haven't really had that hard connection. And that's really what we want to see. So let's, let's be praying for that. And let's, let's pray. And then we'll, the band's going to sing us a few songs. And then we're going to have a, a bit of a point before we close. Dear Lord Jesus, we just want to thank you for this opportunity just to speak here tonight. And I just pray that the words that have come out of my mouth here are the words that you want to be spoken to everybody here. God, I just pray that you use this, this challenge in Romans 12 
just to give our entire lives to you. Just pray that you use that to inspire us and to motivate us to love you more and to serve you with everything that we've got. Amen.